Support for Think Humanities is brought to you by the Spalding University School of Creative and Professional Writing. Think Humanities, a podcast for people who love history, philosophy, culture, literature, civic dialogue, and the arts. Think Humanities from Kentucky Humanities, where we have been telling Kentucky's story for 51 years. Here's your host, Bill Goodman. Today on the podcast, the College Board. What is it? Why have we heard so much about it in the news lately? Why are academics and teachers of the humanities concerned about the direction of the College Board in the future? Our guest is Dr. Teresa Reed, the Distinguished Dean of the School of Music at the University of Louisville. She earned her PhD at Indiana University in Music Theory, Music History, and Literature, and African American Studies. Dr. Reed is a longtime consultant with the College Board and served uh, consecutive terms as the chief reader in both AP Music Theory and AP Capstone AP Seminar. Most recently, she authored modules for the College Board's uh, AP Arts Curriculum, and that went into effect nationally in 2018. She came to the University of Louisville in 2019, and we hope it's not too late to welcome her to Kentucky. Dr. Reed, uh, welcome. Thank you very much. First of all, just um, a question. What is the College Board, and what did, what did what's its mission? Yes, thank you very much. Um, well, I can give you a definition that's a general one, and then I can also define the College Board in terms of my connection with the organization, but it's a very large nonprofit that creates um, college-going opportunity essentially for high school students. And so if you've heard of AP courses or if you've heard of the SAT, all of that uh, emanates from the College Board. So there are over 35 or so AP classes that high school students can take to earn college credit. And they uh, span a variety of disciplines and, and, and areas. And students will typically take these AP courses, which stands for advanced placement, and apply them toward credit as they're uh, seeking college entry. And those credits um, help to move them further along in their degree seeking uh, uh, pursuits. So there are many AP courses that have been around for a long time. Uh, my own experience with the College Board is with AP Music Theory, uh, in which I was involved, uh, first of all, some 20-something years ago, followed by uh, AP Seminar, which is a part of the AP Capstone program, and now most recently, AP African American Studies. It's been around for a long time. Absolutely. I, I believe I read since 1900. Well, I'm... I don't know uh, when the College Board was initially established, but um, it was around when I was a high school student, and I'm uh, I'm a person with gray hair. <laughs> or in my case, with no hair, and it was around <laughs> when I was there, too. Um, let me ask you this. If you were to describe someone other than just a definition of, of what the, the board is, most of the time we think of a board of directors, a board of trustees, uh, a, a sitting body of uh, individuals that make decisions on uh, uh, a, ma a certain matter, a, a university or a, a humanities council for that matter. Is it 
that sort of organization, do you gather once a year? Or do you do it now by email, by Zoom? Uh, how do you put all of this information together and and send it to headquarters in order for it to, to uh, be disseminated uh, out into the university and college level and high school level? Well, the, the College Board is a vast, uh, is a massive organization. And the, that term uh, does not imply that there is a... Um, uh, a, a static body of uh, a few people who make big decisions, but it, instead, the College Board is is the, the the brand name of this very large organization that includes uh, membership of uh, both high schools and and colleges. So the high school members of uh, high school, um, and I I may be using this term somewhat incorrectly, but high schools that are affiliated with or that offer AP courses are in the College Board orbit, and those are all over the country in some parts of the world, and universities that accept AP courses for college credit are also in the College Board orbit. I did mention these AP classes, um, of which there are over 35 of them, and uh, the SAT, which is a nationally standardized test that is is a common um, is is very familiar to students seeking college admission, but the College Board also does other things, and its mission is to connect students to opportunity, to educational opportunity. That's probably the best way that I can uh, summarize it. So it might as well be easily as easily called um, college organization or college mission, but it's called College Board. <laughs> it has a board of trustees. For sure, but it's gone by that name for so long. I think that folks who are familiar with it um, don't confuse it with uh, other than the organization that that it is. It's this this massive uh, organization that enables students to um, access college opportunity uh, by, among other things, uh, taking advanced placement classes. Have advanced placement classes been around uh, as long as the college board has been around, or at least for many, many decades? I will say uh, decades. Um, the college board website, which I don't have up at this moment, probably gives uh, uh, information about its its founding and history, which I don't have in front of mine. But it's been around for been around for a long time, uh, for as long as I can remember. There have been AP classes, and I've been familiar with the. College Board and its, you know, its its iconic acorn, which is a symbol of uh, growth and opportunity. It's it's a it has been a pretty ubiquitous presence in um, in the minds, I think, of many folks who are um, teachers of high school students seeking college entry entry, and also uh, college professors who, uh, for a variety of disciplines, accept these courses for credit. Now, would you put into context for us uh, the current discussion that is going on that some people will immediately identify as the first time they'd heard of a, a college board or a controversy surrounding the college board uh, comes from a potential Republican presidential candidate in Florida named Ron DeSantis, the governor there, uh, I, I dare say that uh, it, it is certainly in academic circles much, much more widely known than the the narrow view that a lot of people have gotten just from the discussion in the news. Um, 
what this current discussion has been about and why in some ways um, you think that we've um, um, maybe through uh, reporting that wasn't absolutely accurate, uh, gotten the wrong idea about what exactly the college board was trying to do. For sure. Absolutely. So the college board is the flagship organization for creating advanced placement classes. Uh, classes. And uh, it's a well-established uh, offering that is based upon a reputation of college-level rigor that high school students can engage. So when the college board creates a course, that's a big deal. Uh, many years ago, the college board began conversation is about creating a course called AP or Advanced Placement African-American Studies. And here in the last couple of years, they have begun to realize that vision to the point where um, the uh, advisory committees were formed and a curriculum framework was developed. A, um, a higher ed uh, convening was done a year ago in March and many conversations and elements of developing that course have gotten somewhat down the road. In addition to that, there is a, a pilot phase for any new course that the college board develops. That course is first piloted or test-driven before it goes operational. So for AP, African-American Studies, the plan has always been for there to be two pilot years. We are right now at this moment, just over halfway through the first of two pilot years. So if you can imagine that this um, course, 100% uh, of that would be at the end of the next academic year. And we're we're just over a little bit of um, more than the fourth of the way through the, the first pilot year, uh, through the entire pilot enterprise, okay? So there are many, many aspects that go into creating a new course. And one of the things that the college board wants to make sure that it does is that the course has credibility with high, higher ed because it will it's envisioned to be accepted for college credit. So in the process of developing these new courses, the college board gathers a lot of information, gets a lot of feedback, and they develop documents for further feedback from higher ed folks. One of these documents is a curriculum framework. And outside of uh, folks who do high school pedagogy, a, what a curriculum framework is, is not widely known. I did not know what a curriculum framework was until I became a college board consultant. It's different than a syllabus, for example. So if you take a college course, you're probably going to do that for a semester. There's a syllabus that describes pretty much everything that's going to happen in that course. It's like a contract, right? So a syllabus will say what's going to happen week to week, what the assessments are going to be, what they're going to be worth, what you got to read, what you have to do. And um, what all of those deliverables are in order for you to make a grade in that course. A framework is very different. A framework, uh, by contrast, is a, a bare bones list of skills that students will develop and things that students will know. That's essentially what it is. And it also describes some assessments. So last year, in 2022, the College Board released to a group of uh, higher ed faculty that it convened a uh, pilot framework, and it was a it was a draft. It was an earlier version of that list of students' skills and the student um, knowledge, the essential learning outcomes, 
what the topics were that would be covered, and it included a an early brain dump of all of the resources and authors and topics that were under consideration at that time. Where we find ourselves now is that that framework, which was uh, for vetting in a in a in a pretty particular setting, was taken to be a declaration of what the course would entail, when in fact it was a draft, an earlier iteration of this course that's on this broader trajectory of development. Most recently, a, a more recent iteration of the framework, which has been called the official framework, was released about two weeks ago. And it was very, it was different than the framework that was originally released keeping in mind that both are really drafts. So again, there is another year and a half almost of piloting of the course and it's still under construction. That framework that was released in the um, last couple of weeks and is the subject of all the controversy was released shortly after Governor DeSantis made uh, pretty much a lot, announced a list of topics that he considered to be objectionable for students in his state. And those topics that he opposed were matched to topics that were missing from the more recent framework as compared to the earlier one. Now, that led to the accusation that the college board watered down the course, that the college board uh, uh, bent to political pressure, that the, the course was streamlined in order to appease Florida, that it was... Um, it bent to a sort of political uh, leaning, none of which was true because the framework is just one part of the course. There are other elements of the course that have not been uh, that have not been displayed or discussed quite yet because the course again is still under construction. The topics that were considered to be objectionable or inflammatory or controversial were topics like Black Lives Matter or topics like um, uh, Black queer theory or intersectionality. The reality is that there is there are other elements of the course experience that are still being built. And one of those is called AP Classroom. AP Classroom is a digital platform that it will be interactive for students and teachers. And it will include a variety of resources, readings, topics, authors, et cetera, that students will be able to access and teachers will be able to engage and use uh, free of charge. That resource has not been um, has not been unveiled because it is still being built. So that the fact that that has not been unveiled only reinforces the narrative that these topics have been purged to please DeSantis. So this is the, the crux of the matter. And uh, here's where we find ourselves. Did the New York Times get it wrong? Yes, <laughs> the New York Times did get it wrong because there was no realization at that time that the topics that were the subject of, of discussion and dismay were in fact still in the course. They were not in the framework, but they were in the course. So this um, tendency to equate the course with the fr framework was, was one problem. Uh, another problem is that if you look at the framework released a couple of weeks ago, it does not include, uh, the only sources that it includes are primary sources. 
um, many of the contemporary topics entail readings that are secondary sources, and those require copyright permission. So uh, one of the reasons that the AP Classroom Digital Platform has not been completely unveiled is that many of the pieces that, that are being compiled for this resource are at various stages of licensing. They don't all have copyright permission yet. Uh, many of them do, but many sources are in pending status and a, a few have declined, but that's part of what's being built. And so my, I, I imagine that once um, that is in a, in a better state of completion and um, that resource is unveiled, people will get a more complete picture of the course as uh, the, the fleshed out reality as opposed to just the framework. I did not, uh, although I did go to the website, uh, there is, um, I could have researched and found uh, maybe a, a better history of uh, the College Board. I, I could have looked, uh, I could have used Wikipedia maybe. I, I did not do that either. Um, but my question comes from whether or not, and surely there have been in the in the past, um, e even in modern times, uh, other controversies that not necessarily having to do with um, the subject matter that we're discussing, uh, whether it's Black history or African American studies, but but some aspect of possibly music. I, I don't know. Have there been other controversies that, that you are aware of in the past that have either risen to this level or have been uh, in a national discussion? Uh, yes, there have been, but I feel most comfortable talking about my own experience. And so um, I think that whenever a new course is being developed from the ground up, that that is a major undertaking that entails many perspectives, many preferences, many pedagogical styles, um, and a lot of conversations about uh, about the content. I was uh, involved with the creation of the AP Capstone program. That's a program that was inspired by the Cambridge Capstone program, and it includes two year-long high school courses. Uh, uh, in a nutshell, one is AP Seminar, and that teaches students how to argue. And then the other is uh, AP Research, which is a follow-up to that course in which students write a major research paper as, as high school students. Um, there was much, uh, there, the Sausage Factory is a reality when creating things that are new. And there, uh, there is a, a process of, of, of norming and storming that's just a part of what it takes to build something from the ground up that has national impact or that's envisioned to be nationally accessible to a broad array of, of students and school contexts. And one of the things that I know is very important to the College Board is accessibility, uh, access, uh, and ensuring that what is accessible to one type of student population is equally accessible to all. So that's a that's a pretty big undertaking and there are spirited debates. Um, there's much conversation, there is um, much disagreement. And on the other side of it, hopefully you end up with something that will be a meaningful deliverable to students and teachers alike. It would seem like to me that because of the uh, the long history in this country and, and even before we were a country in at that time, uh, slavery and uh, the Middle Passage and, and uh, all of that uh, that we've learned uh, 
since, uh, which uh, a lot of people weren't aware of and didn't know about. Before we got to the point in the the, the last decade, let's say, um, I've heard really interesting discussions about when certain terms began to be used, when Black Lives Matter uh, was coined, uh, what uh, George Floyd and, and Breonna Taylor had to do with the movement and, and all of that. Did the did the the AP courses up to let's say a 2010 or a 2005 or so was there a robust, um, vigorous discussion of of African American history at that time that was being taught to high school kids and did anybody raise a question about about it at, at that time? To my awareness, the current. Um pilot course, AP African American Studies, is the first of its kind in the College Board um, set of mm -hmm. offerings. I, I'm pretty confident in saying that it is groundbreaking as compared to other kinds of AP courses. And, you know, there's been so much conversation about the controversy. I'm eager to talk about the actual course. So just to give you a, a brief uh, high-level look of what the course consists of, there are four units. And um, this is a, a long way to answer your question, but the first unit deals with the origins of the African diaspora, something that I never learned about until I was a graduate student well into my 30s. Uh, second unit is freedom, enslavement, and resistance. Third unit is the practice of freedom. And the fourth unit where all of the current controversy lives is the movement and the movements and debates unit. So the course is thematically organized, but chronologically informed, by which I mean that these themes provide many entry points for various lenses and perspectives, but it, it only makes sense, for example, that we would talk about Africa first before we do anything else, because that's where we came from. That said, this content comes from contributions from specialists in African-American studies around the country. And it's a more rigorous compilation of content than I, for example, would do for anything that I teach um, at the college level myself. So for many, many years, I taught several types of courses in African-American music. And I taught, for example, a course, History of Rhythm, History of Rhythm and Blues, probably, I don't know, a couple dozen times. And I never taught it the same way twice. But what I never did was poll the entire nation to find out who else was doing it and try and come up with some composite equivalent of that. Well, that's kind of what the College Board has intended, uh, has attempted to do by getting feedback from uh, academics in higher ed as the basis for determining what should go into this. That's, that speaks to the level of, of rigor that students can expect. Specifically, the College Board at the at the earlier stage of this process invited um, colleges and universities around the country to send in their syllabi for their intro African American Studies course, whatever that might be called. And uh, in response to that call, I believe they got 107 syllabi mm -hmm. from instructors around the country who specialized in this content. And those syllabi then gave the College Board a a a good look at 
what the trending themes were, what the common topics were, what the common sources and uh, kinds of assessments were. Uh, no two were alike, as you can imagine. But, you know, there, there were some threads. And so when you think about, again, the difference between a framework and a syllabus, what the framework does is gives you that bare bones look at students' skills and knowledge as a result of taking this course, which most closely and consistently matches what you see across the country. It's because there are so many other elements that would go into building a syllabus. So if I'm a teacher teaching this, I begin with the framework, but I don't end there. I would then go perhaps to AP Classroom and fill out that syllabus with sources and other kinds of engagement that make that course come alive for the students in my class. But it's the the, the essential elements of the framework that are that must be satisfied that make it an AP course, if that makes sense. Sure. And um, I've just got to think that any uh, young person today uh, with the credentials to take an AP course and, and to use that uh, to further their education and go on to uh, get college credit and, and to further their, their study is so fortunate to have that, uh, to, to learn what um, uh, people that came before them didn't have the opportunity to hear from academics and, and uh, a fully researched uh, uh, papers and, uh, and reading materials. Um, in just a short period of time, what, what's been discovered. Um, so I have a, a couple of other uh, questions for you, uh, Dr. Reed. We're talking to Dr. Teresa Reed, who is a, uh, the Dean of the School of Music at the University of Louisville. Uh, she's uh, a member of the college board. Uh, we're talking about the recent uh, controversy in the, uh, in the news and uh, in on campuses uh, having to do with the uh, work that's being done uh, to put together advanced placement courses for uh, youngsters uh, who are eager to learn more about the African-American uh, experience and history. And uh, we'll talk with her a bit more uh, right after we hear from our great underwriters at Spalding University's Graduate School of Writing. Spalding University's Low Residency MFA in Creative Writing offers outstanding instruction in a supportive literary community. Study across genres. Explore the interrelatedness of the arts. Travel to Paris next summer for short-term study abroad or stay at Louisville's historic Brown Hotel during week-long residencies on campus. Study fiction, poetry, creative nonfiction, writing for children and young adults, and writing for TV, screen, and stage. Learn more at spalding.edu forward slash writing or email schoolofwriting at spalding.edu. Dr. Reed, there's, there's one quote here in one of these stories. This is uh, not uh, Governor DeSantis, but a, a, a Florida official. Uh, his name is Manny Diaz Jr., uh, he's the happens to be the, the commissioner of education. He says the changes to the AP course come after weeks of tension between the college board and the DeSantis administration, Florida Commissioner of Education, Manny Diaz Jr. He called the coursework woke indoctrination masquerading as education. Where in the world did we 
find this word woke. Is it a verb? Is it a noun? And how did it all of a sudden become vitriolic in a way that people can use it almost as bad as other words that we have in our English language? Well, I have to laugh because I really don't understand um, what uh, the DeSantis camp means by woke. But I do understand that a very easy way to dispose of a topic that one wishes to not engage is to label it and demonize it. So if you want to label and demonize something as socialist, for example, you don't even have to really know what socialist means. All you have to know is the people who think like you think that it's bad and it's a shortcut to demonizing something that you wish to dismiss. I think that certainly um, the time is ripe for us to um, afford all students, not just African-American students, but afford all students some honest history. And honest history has not been the traditional uh has not traditionally been delivered to students. And I'll use myself as an example. Um, I did not learn until I was fairly old about the topic of redlining. Literally the you know, practice of designating certain neighborhoods uh, as being uh, unfundable with low interest rate loans because people of color live there. I did not know that this was a practice and I did not know that this was directly related to um, see some of the, the urban ills that you see today. Uh, I didn't know that at the same time that African-Americans living in certain areas were denied home loans, then uh, white Americans of the, the, the same, otherwise same demographic were given these loans because they were white. So that's a racially based federally sponsored system that was pretty ubiquitous in this country. And that is the reason that if you go to any major city in the United States, you're going to find that that too many people of color live in areas that today still suffer from the practice of redlining. So that's honest history. That's not debatable. That's not, you know, speculation or that actually happened. We know that this is a fact. If students don't know that there are systems that underpin inequality, then other narratives emerge as truth. And those other narratives are not ones that get us any closer to the truth, they instead reinforce stereotypes. And so if there is an offense at the idea of being alert or being sensitized or being otherwise awakened to these aspects of honest history. The problem is not the history. The problem is the mindset that takes offense at the honesty of the history. So let's face it, it's 2023. Students can consume any information they want. They have smartphones. They don't need us to Google what they find to be intriguing or what they want to learn. So I think by providing this honest history in a well-structured, pedagogically sound context, there's a great service to society that's being done there. We're saying, you know, we recognize that we can't really police what students learn and don't learn. I mean, that's that's sort of a, a myth to think that just because, you know, DeSantis threatens to pull all AP courses and sudden, suddenly curiosity will go away and students won't know. No, that will only heighten curiosity. That will only heighten the desire to seek and investigate. What AP African-American Studies offers to do 
is place a pedagogical framework around this learning so that students have the context for the information that they seek in a way that is honest and fair and not only gives them context, but helps them to develop the skill of research so that they can learn more on their own. Where do you think uh, this is going to end up at the end of the, of the if, if, if we're about halfway into the, the pilot and, and there's another pilot to go, uh, what's the timetable and where do you think, and let's not even uh, talk about Florida and DeSantis, let's talk about the nation uh, and um, the young people who, who desire this and need this. Uh, what do you think the end result's going to be? I think the students will tell us. My motivation in sticking with this process is the students. Um, at my core, I'm a teacher. I, I wear the title of an administrator. I do the work of an administrator, but I did not get into this enterprise to be an administrator. I don't think anybody does. I think you walk in the door of education and work related to it because you love students and you care about students and you care about their intellectual lives. You care about their development. You care that they have the tools that they need and the skills that they need to function in the world. So that's my focus. That's my motivation. And at the end of the day, I think students are way smarter than we give them credit for. Um, all of the major movements in this country that have mattered have been sparked by not people my age, but people half my age and even less than that. People who are young and see the, the world with fresh eyes and um, with an innocence that I think we lose, as is demonstrated in the current debates that have, frankly, nothing to do with the students and everything to do with controversy. I think the students will guide us. And that's where my hope is. Dr. Teresa Reed, the Dean of the School of Music at the University of Louisville and a member of the College Board, uh, uh, some important words. We're glad that you're in Kentucky. Uh, and we're we're certainly proud of the fact that you're not only uh, at the University of Louisville, but you are a member of the College Board. And we thank you for your service uh, uh, on that board and the work that you're doing there. Uh, hope to meet you sometime. This is an important subject for uh, for humanists, uh, for uh, historians, uh, for uh, academics and, and, and young people, especially um, who uh, we care so much about um, that need the history that sometimes we don't think that they're they're being properly uh, educated uh, in and uh, for the future. Uh, let's hope they have an opportunity to to, to learn uh, uh, more about their past. Thank you very much for this opportunity. I'm deeply grateful. Think Humanities is a podcast from Kentucky Humanities, where we have been telling Kentucky's story for 51 years. Think Humanities is available at kyhumanities.org, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Join us next week for a new episode of Think Humanities.